0: The Big Vets on Campus Podcast. Podcast.
1: Podcast. All right, here we go.
0: Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just
2: got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they get it. A miracle. It. Double order.
1: Hit that one from the parking lot.
2: What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is your Monday college basketball preview. I am not Stucky. Yes, even Stucky takes a vacation. Don't worry, he'll be back in the host chair uh, for Friday's episode. I am BJ Cunningham. I'll be joined by my friends, Mike Calabrese, and a special guest, Anthony DeBundo. We're going to go through the weekend that was in college basketball, give a few rants, preview big monday kansas versus tcu then give our best bet for monday slate and get out of here but first let me kick it to you first mike how you doing
0: doing good you know it survived the weekends you know it was up and down in terms of my my picks but uh i think my main takeaway is the nonsense of the top 16 reveal trying to stir up drama mick cronin bitching and moaning that they're eighth instead of sixth. that's like Snore. Wake me up when you're debating something interesting, which I was on Vison over the weekend talking to Jonathan Van Tobel, and he brought up an interesting idea. It's like, why are we releasing the top 16 teams? Why don't they release who's currently on the bubble and the at-large resumes that they're considering? Because I think those debates are far more interesting. If you line up North Carolina, who I believe is 0-8 in quad one games against somebody like New Mexico, that's a compelling argument. And you can actually make an argument on both sides. Whereas the top, you know, 16 teams, the AP poll, it's been a slaughter at the top teams dropping left and right to unranked opponents. And then really at this point, the only team that hasn't lost to an unranked opponent at the top of the charts is Kansas. And then they come in here on Monday night, as an underdog to TCU. So there's nothing that you can trust at this point. Eventually you got to put pen to paper during March Madness and put your weight behind one of these top seeds. I don't even know where I'm going in that direction at this point. Maybe I'll just go contrarian and Purdue because everybody seems to be crapping on them and their freshman guards, and they're going to wilt, you know, when the the bright lights are shown on them in March Madness. But in general, it's way more fun to look at the bottom and the back half and the at larges as opposed to these top seeds where you could reorganize the deck chairs on the Titanic all you want because a handful of them
2: are clearly going to lose in the first weekend of March Madness yeah it's it's funny you mentioned the contrarian thing I thought about that the other day I was like what if I just do a final four of like Purdue Tennessee Virginia and Iowa State just as a complete contrarian and defense wins out but no uh yeah I agree with you it's uh I mean, we just say it every single week. Like, there's no good team in college basketball. Uh, you know, my big takeaway from the weekend is like, holy crap, what a second half from Kansas. Maybe we were a little bit wrong or wrong about them. I don't know. We'll obviously find out tonight against TCU. And then shout out to Jim Root, second chance points, three-man We for tweeting this out. And it's very true. You know, Alabama obviously put up 100 points over Georgia. And he said, you know, in a year where we obviously don't have one elite team, Alabama's best when they're at their best is clearly better than everybody else in the country. So that was my big takeaway. I think Alabama still the, I mean, they're, they're the number one overall seed per bracket matrix here. So that's not really going to be a surprise. So that was my one big takeaway. All right, I'll kick it to you, Anthony, my good friend, co-host of the wonder goal podcast. Why don't you first tell the listeners who you are, where are you from, who you root for and uh, your big takeaway from the weekend.
3: Yeah. It's my BBOC debut. So very exciting, yeah. uh, grew up on college hoops in mostly the Philadelphia area, the big five, uh, and went to Syracuse. So, you know, sort of root for them. I follow them. I wouldn't, you know, it's hard to root for them these days. Uh, I'm kind of fair weather when it comes to the orange, but, uh, I live about 15 minutes from Mike actually, uh, in Valley Forge PA. So the, you know, the Philly burbs, uh, but yeah, I just grew up on kind of big five hoops. So, you know, St. Joe's and, and, uh, not Villanova and temple were kind of the, the three, um, uh, Pretty much that I would always root for, and and then you know who else I root for on a year-to-year basis really depends. Like last year, you, know, you find certain teams that you think are undervalued or that you think are you know the market's wrong on, and then you end up betting the same team a lot for a season. It's like last year it was like Colorado State and Wyoming. This year, it's been uh, a lot of Santa Clara and Washington State to varying degrees of success. So it depends on the year for me with who I love. Virginia Tech uh, seems to be a team I end up on, and we'll be on again this week. So uh, it depends really on on the on the time of the year and, and you know who I have money on.
0: As someone who bet a lot of Santa Clara basketball this year, can you settle it for us here on the podcast? How do you pronounce their uh their Star Wings name? Pajemski? Like p- I think
3: it's Pajemsky, but yeah. uh like I'm we not probably just it out. And, it, yeah, if they make broadcasts, you say it. That name's
0: coming up a lot, so.
3: Yeah, they say it differently depending on which night. Like you're watching the game, it's a little like Pajimski, Pajemski, Pajemski. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been awesome when he's been in the lineup. They've been uh, quite good and competitive in that league. So, uh, they've had some good wins. Took out Boise, uh, rolled San Fran. Like they've had some pretty <laughs> impressive showings this year. Just crushed BYU last week, but uh, couldn't quite cover that second game for the against the Zags.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. well, you think they're going to have a chance at maybe taking out a St. Mary's or a Gonzaga in the WCC tournament?
3: Yeah, I mean, they were competitive with Mary's in one of the meetings. The other meeting, not so much. Uh, So, you know, we'll see. But I think that they match up decently well with Gonzaga because Gonzaga doesn't really take away any of the like the post looks they want to get they can get to the rim at, at will so they can kind of just keep up with them i think they're live to cover against gonzaga i don't know that they'll they'll actually win cuz they're they're not getting many stops either so uh, it would be a fun matchup but my biggest takeaway is actually also out west and it's arizona i watched their entire game against colorado i don't get to watch as much pac 12 cuz i find myself watching the mountain west and the west coast a lot i was not particularly impressed with arizona like the, the non de silva minutes against colorado like they destroyed them but I didn't think they were particularly impressive when he was on the floor. Uh, their perimeter defense is really bad. Like they leave a lot of shooters. That's a major red flag for me come March. Uh, and their transition defense is also quite bad. So you can get at this Arizona team uh, and they haven't really, uh, you know, we, the backcourt, like obviously Balo and Tubelos are very good, but I have questions about the backcourt.
0: It's as simple as when Tubellos is in foul trouble as he was, you know, he sat, I think at the 10 minute mark of the first half with two fouls, they kind of just become a slightly above average team. Like I know that he's top 10 in almost every uh, player efficiency metric and Balo is also top 25, but he is the straw that stirs the drink. When he's not on the floor, it just looks like growing pains. They trying to figure out who's going to take that alpha role offensively for
1: them
3: and I do wonder if like having both of them on the floor at the same time, like, yes, they're great offensively and you really can't get anything at the rim, but that makes them very vulnerable on the perimeter. Like crease is not guarding. Ramey's a good individual defender. Larson's okay. But like, they just leave a lot of shooters and and Colorado doesn't shoot. Well, they missed every open shot and still covered, but like a better shooting team is going to cause a lot of problems. I think for the, for the wildcats in March.
2: Well, you'll get that date on March 4th when they travel to play UCLA. We'll see if they actually can hold them to anything like they, you know, like the last time when UCLA took them out. All right, let's go to a couple of rants. I'll start it off. I hate Princeton for what they did to me. I tried to bet them on a back Get back to catch Yale on a back-to-back. Uh cuz obviously, you know, the Ivy Leagues are the back-to-back Friday night and then into Saturday. Uh let me pull this up really quick. So, Princeton they're up 19 with 8 to play. They completely melted down. And not even that, though. It was in the final few minutes. Basically, Yale just made a ton of free throws down the stretch. I mean, Princeton even had a three-point lead with 14 seconds left. They foul, you know, they do the patented, you know, foul up three. So, you know, Yale goes down. They make two free throws. And then, of course, this is what happens. This is the patented why fouling up three sometimes doesn't work is they only make one of two, and Yale comes down. They make a layup, tie it up at 70. They go to overtime, and you know it already happened. That happens there. Yale won by 10. So really didn't need that complete meltdown from from Princeton there uh, in the second half, but whatever. Um, it happens. It's college basketball. Really horrible. But also I didn't get a, the DePaul backdoor. was very nice. So um, I did get that one. So I'll kick it to you, Mike. Do you have a rant for this week? Just in general, I I know that name brands sell
0: ad space and people want to talk about the Yankees and the Lakers and, you know, the the Cowboys. Enough with North Carolina. Like I said, they're 0-8 against quad one teams. It's clear that Baycott's hurt. He's just like laboring through. He's not as bouncy. He's not as dynamic on the glass. They can't shoot threes. They, you know, play a good like 12 minutes against NC State and then get run off the floor, even to the point where Keats was like, it's not a rivalry. Like he was kind of you know, trolling them a little bit. Um, but in general, it's like I'm always an advocate for let's get more quality mid-major teams on the bubble into the tournament. I don't want to see this North Carolina team and even the narrative that's getting thrown around is though they can turn it on they're not like a Western conference basketball team. That's just going to start playing well in a best of seven series. Like that's not the case. They're not the the warriors. They're not going to like get healthy at the right time. There's enough of, you know, their resume that's been shown through the games this year that we know who they are. And to be totally honest, like I just, I've had it with this team. I've had it with the ACC in general, Syracuse is another team there who's on the bubble who is winless against quad one teams. It's like, I think it should go both ways. You get the benefit of the opportunity to get quality wins. And if you don't, that should really penalize you. That should hurt you. Because at the end, they're going to be like, oh, New Mexico or some of these teams, you know, like a Charleston, if they go to their conference championship game and don't win. like, are they going to get in kind of thing? Like, absolutely. I want teams that have proven that they have higher ceilings than these ACC also ran. So just in general, I'm you know preheating the oven for my resentment of letting in teams like north carolina um because i think at the end of the day they might just sneak in and that'll piss me off
2: yeah per bracket matrix they are currently the last team out and the teams behind them are new mexico clemson utah state oregon north texas and texas tech yeah i want north texas give me north texas over north carolina for sure exactly yeah so it'll be interesting yeah preseason number one has fallen this far crazy anthony do you have a rant for this weekend
3: I mean, I had one of my best Saturdays of the year and I think it's important to remember like the good variance that happens. Colorado closed, I think six or seven Oh, in the last two minutes, uh, Pella Larson's like a 90% shooter. He missed the front end of a one and one uh, and then Colorado didn't foul down 10, which was cool. They covered for me late. You mentioned DePaul backdoor that push on a miracle. They hit two threes in the last 40 seconds when they were down 20. Uh, so that was cool. I mean, it's always nice to get those. I'm wondering where Ed Cooley finds these guys, uh, because that Providence Nova game, Nova played like pretty poorly. Like they shouldn't have really been in it. Like it was the wrong side, but Nova was down four with like two minutes to go, and they felt like they were very live to not even just cover but potentially steal that game in Providence. And then Noah Locke and Devin Carter are hitting pull up threes from like Hartford, contested, just like no doubters. And I'm like, this, like these two guys didn't even really play for Providence last year, and and you know credit to. I mean, he's he's really mastered the transfer portal. They're always prepared in close games. They always win every close game. Tuesday, I have a Creighton Big East future, and they win in double overtime. I tweeted, like, I think Providence has played every game in double overtime for the last year and a half, and they're, like, only lost, I think, one of them. So it's just yep. crazy that, that Providence continues to run this good. It's funny. One of my good friends is a Providence fan, and I, I told him, like, they're better than they were last year. They're not going to be a better seed. They probably won't make the Sweet 16 again. But, like, they're a better team this year. But this late game, like just magic is is something else and um, continues to burn me repeatedly. And so that would be my only real complaint from what was otherwise a, a great Saturday. Syracuse, no showing aside, I didn't have money on the game. So I was watching as a fan and just embarrassing to, to see the, um, the orange fold. Yeah, again. it's funny because
2: Providence is going to be on a seven line, it looks like. For the NCAA.
3: That's better team that's than last
0: year. That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. They are not a seven seed ball. And that's just another, you know, thing stacking up against a two seed. Like if Texas has to play them in the round of 32, I actually feel bad for Texas in that situation. That's not their
3: fault.
2: Oh boy. And
0: yeah, then, I would yeah. say
3: Providence is right around like a six for me, probably. Right. But
2: yeah, no, they'll they'll the non-conference in line so. with uh my my Iowa Hawkeyes, Maryland, and Michigan State. So all big ten teams on the seven line. <laughs>
1: as a reminder before we go any further college basketball season is in full swing so get in on the action with the king of sports books sign up with BetMGM using bonus code action and receive first bet insurance up to one thousand dollars visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions Call or text the Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi, in Ontario. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York.
2: All right, let's kick it to Big Monday. There's actually a, a really nice game here in the Big 12. Kansas travels to Fort Worth to take on... TCU. TCU is currently at, at MGM in minus one and a half favorite with the total sitting at 151.5. I'll kick it to you first, Mike. What are your what are your thoughts on this matchup? I know that they got to go to Cowtown.
0: I know that TCU potentially in their transition game can can hurt Kansas, but I can't at this point in the season. We wrote off Kansas here on the podcast. And since then they've just been on the warpath. They have played really well against ranked opponents all season long, in, in my opinion, at least. And I know exactly what I'm getting in terms of their game plan, with Jalen Wilson attacking the hoop and Zick getting those threes up. So – I don't know. I, I think the line's probably fair, but if I'm going to play it, my lean is on KU in this game. And it just seems like we've seen this movie time and time again, where even in the years where they're not the the best team in the Big 12, they're able to circle the wagons and play their best down the stretch and grab at least a share of the regular season title. I think it's another one of those scenarios playing out. So I'm on KU
2: here. Yeah, uh, I'm probably going to with you here, but I'll, le- I'll let you get your thoughts in here first, Anthony.
3: I just got an alert. The Action Network, we're recording this (laughs) Monday morning. I I did did this on purpose. DJ Cunningham added bet Kansas plus two.
2: Did this on purpose. So
3: I guess we're going head to head here. Uh, Give me the frogs, baby. Uh, And I know I'm filling in for Stucky, who has hyped up TCU at every possible turn and I think every single episode. Uh, But really, I mean, look, the the numbers speak for themselves. TCU didn't have Mike Miles, he was out. They were one in five, they were really terrible. He comes back. Uh, now, are they going to shoot You know, over 50% from three like they did Saturday? No. But uh, I think this is a decent matchup for them because t- Kansas' defense in transition is still pretty vulnerable. Like, it doesn't grade out at, at an elite level. Uh, and, and that's where TCU really exposed them in the first meeting. Now, this is a good live betting game, I think, because of the way just how TCU plays. You're going to get runs back and forth. Like when Kansas is hitting their shots and TCU has to play in the half court. Uh, it's not necessarily a great half court offense. Uh, but when they're able to run off Kansas misses like the first meeting, uh, they're they're going to be able to find some success. I don't think there's a huge difference between these two teams when they're both fully healthy. Uh, TCU is a little bit deflated uh, in the you know the ad- advanced and underlying metrics I think because of Miles and Lampkin being out for like they were, uh, but with them in the lineup, I actually think it's a decent matchup, and uh, I'm I'm comfortable laying the point and a half with the frogs. Uh, I will say I'm a little more skeptical on them as like a true like. Everybody has picked them, you know, Jim Root, Stucky on this show. Every episode we talk like TCU this, TCU that. I'd have to go back through. I don't know that there's ever a team in the modern college basketball era that's won the national title shooting 30% or worse from three. Like in the, you know, it's just such a three-point, you know, reliant sport. Uh, And that's just creates such a math problem for them. We will see in March. You know, I I just think there's going to be a game where they shoot 18% from three and like they just kind of go out. But the Frogs are fun. I love when, you know, the, one of my favorite things about college basketball is it's just like the contrast of styles and, and matchups and, and stuff that you just don't really see in like the NBA. Well, in this situation, TCU is like such a fun team to profile. Like they're going to be underseeded for sure. Like they're not actually a, five, a six, five seed. I think, I think they're in the top 10 to 15, but uh, I just don't know. You can win a national title shooting that poorly. I love to see them try. So it'll be fun. But I like the Frogs at home tonight, even though like the Bill Self Road Dog numbers are what they are.
2: Yeah, uh, I love Kansas in this spot. And I understand that they've won four straight. But what I love about what Kansas has done, and kind of the reason why we wrote them off here is because they were such a streaky three-point shooting team. They were so reliant on Grady Dick from outside the arc. But over this four-game win streak, they, 166 of their 340 points have come at the rim. That's 49% of their points. They're not relying three-point shooting anymore i mean they put up 88 points against texas they made just two three pointers even against baylor this past weekend they shot just six of 21 from beyond the arc but still put up 1.3 points for possession and the last time they faced tcu only 22 of their 60 points came at the rim. if you look at the shot quality numbers they should have had more at the rim. so clearly bill self has said stop shooting so many three-point shots get the ball inside jalen wilson and start scoring at the rim more tcu was 133rd nationally in points per possession allowed at the rim. And if you look through TCU's metrics, it's basically just finishing at the rim in transition. Everything else is average to below average. And even the last game against Kansas, all of their metrics were just very below average other than that. And then they shot, like you mentioned, Anthony, they shot over 50% from outside the arc. Kansas is a top 50 team at defending the rim. Yes, they are bad in transition, and that is a worry here. But the flip side is Kansas offensively is a top 10 frequency team in terms of utilizing the pick and roll TCU is two hundred and sixth and points per possession allowed off the pick and roll. So even though Kansas has won a ton straight, this is a huge revenge spot for them as well. And they, you know, obviously this game is huge for their potentially winning the big 12 regular season. So I love Kansas plus two. I think it's, I think it's a great, great spot for them and a good revenge to beat TCU. If And again, if TCU doesn't shoot 50% from a three point range, what happens? So uh, I think you're just get an overinflated TCU team with Mike Miles back. So give me the Jayhawks at plus two. I guess we're going head to head, Anthony. That's okay. Um, Mike Miles
3: is worth 10 points of the spread. I know. To, right. According to if my has, analytics. Yeah,
2: I know. If you have Stucky, it's 15. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, Let's let's close it out here with some best bets. I'll kick it to you first night. What's your best bet from the Monday slate?
0: So for my best bet here, I'm going to go Big West play. One of the teams I really like, and I think it's Kismet, that you two guys are soccer experts. I'm going to go with an international superstar, AJ Mitchell, coming in from Belgium. His favorite uh, Premier League team is Liverpool. I don't know what that means. You guys can inform me. They suck. Okay. So in general, he turned down, you know, not riches, but he could have made a pretty penny right away as, you know, a 17, 18-year-old playing, you know, in Europe. Decides to come and play for the Gauchos. And overall, when he plays well, this is one of the best teams in the Big West. They're certainly going to buy for the regular season title with five games left. And I think this is a nice buy low spot. You know, they've lost two in a row. Fullerton coming in, having one four in a row. But what I love is the contrast in styles what they do is they slow down they play a half court game they're the slowest team in the big west and then they go ahead and they nail their shots they're 11th in shooting percentage so i think this is an opportunity to take a team that clearly still has everything in front of them they're only a game back in the big west conference title race so i think you're going to get their best performance at home they're a very strong home team where fullerton's kind of you know middle of the road in that regard Overall, I just think that the Big West tournament is going to be really interesting. It's going to be a fun one to handicap. There's some, as I mentioned, contrasts of styles in the way that these teams play. But the fact that you get Mitchell, who's a star on the wing, and Norris, who arguably is the best big in the Big West at this point, I really like what they bring to the table. It's a team that I've only bet a few times this year, but I think the fact that they're only laying five and a half a team that I want to say they beat Fullerton by 12 at their place last time they played. I think there's plenty of value there. And I think the market's overcorrected based on, you know, the recency bias here. That was my best bet as well. Whoa, so, look at that. I All right. We're going to be joining. You. I'll
2: add on a couple things here. So you mentioned the, the slow pace, obviously they played m- primarily in the half court. Uh Fullerton's 207th in points possession allowed in the half court and uh, Santa Barbara is actually a top 50 team in terms of points possession allowed in half court offense. And Fullerton as well plays a very, very slow pace. And they're just a, a really streaky three point shooting team. Like they're shooting 38% from behind the arc in conference play. But if you look at their shot quality numbers, it should be 35% or around there. So they're bound to cool off a little bit here and Santa Barbara top five frequency team in terms of utilizing pick and roll Cal state Fullerton's 239th in points for possession allowed on pick and rolls. And also uh, Santa Barbara's top 40 team and finishing at the rim. Uh, Cal State Fullerton 190th in points of possession allowed at the rim. So, I agree with you. Really good, really good buy low spot here for Santa Barbara coming off two straight losses. So, I'm with you. Santa Barbara minus five and a half. Anthony, are you going to make it three for three, or do you have another best bet?
3: I'm going to stick in the big 12. Uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma State under 145 and a half. Uh, this is surprisingly high for me. Uh, the first meeting, I bet the under at 140. Uh, it sailed under at 127. West Virginia's perimeter defense has been really bad in the conference. They have the worst three-point shooting defense allowed percentage-wise. I tend to think that that will ultimately regress back toward means and that this perimeter defense isn't great. It's not as good as the rest of the Big Ten or Big 12, but it's not as bad as, as that number suggests. And Oklahoma State is certainly not the team that's going to really take advantage of that with their very or perimeter shooting. They, they shoot 32% from three, 32 and a half percent. So I think it's going to be harder for uh, Oklahoma state to really exploit this perimeter weakness. And West Virginia is going up against a defense that doesn't let you get anything at the rim. Uh, and and I think that's going to be, uh, you know, another reason why they're going to have to shoot from the outside to get going. They can shoot pretty effectively, but they haven't been great in conference play. They're shooting around 33% too. So I think with, with a defense in West Virginia, that's not going to get exploited at the perimeter uh, and, and, Potentially uh, Oklahoma State, you know, taking away the rim for West Virginia, which is where they like to get most of their offense. Uh, this is an under for me at one forty-five and a half. It actually got t- ticked up a couple points uh, this morning, so I'm happy to play against that team. Take the under one forty-five and a half. West Virginia, Oklahoma State.
2: All right, that'll do it for this Monday episode of Big Bets on Campus. Thank you to Anthony and Michael. Thank you to all our video and audio teams on the back end. Thank you to BetMGM, our sponsor. Stuck will be back in the host chair on Friday. Don't you worry, everybody out there. I'm not taking over. So make sure you check out the guys from the three-man weave. As always, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Leave a five-star review. Tell me how horrible of a job I did. Hosting, tell me how badly you want Stuck back. As long as you do a five-star review, I don't care. We'll see you guys again on Friday morning. Again, make sure to check out the guys from three-man weave. And good luck on all your wagers.
1: Cheers.